0: Hey, it's Clay. Welcome back to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. As I'm sure you saw by the title, I am sitting down with another person that I've met. I can't quite call him a friend friend in the sense of he lives locally and we hang out on a routine basis or anything like that. But he is somebody I highly respect. He's somebody that kind of just really breaks the mold of what a lot of people cast upon the millennial generation and their general thought process towards them. And he reminds me a lot of kind of myself when I was younger, the way he thinks. A little spoiler, but it really kind of summarizes the way my mind works and and the way I would argue that I would want your mind to work too, but there's a a situation where he knew he was going to be at some place. So his thought process was, well if I know I'm going to be here, is there any way I can monetize my time of being here? And he went around and uh, actually made that happen and you'll see as we get through the discussion what I'm talking about specifically there. But that's just one little example of where this quote unquote millennial is out there getting stuff done and doing it uh, in a a very sweat producing, sweat equity type of way. But when you go about life with this mindset and this work ethic, things are gonna happen and we also get into a very uh, hopefully beneficial, especially if you're younger and have not gotten to this phase of your life, college discussion where David, yeah, he's in college, but he even admits, yeah, if I could go back and do it over again, I would probably have done this. And he explains you know, what his process has been to help him make the decisions of where he is now headed in life. And the decisions he has made, the research he did, saved him a whole lot of headaches, especially when you look at the statistics of debt and all these things that the younger generation is is getting themselves bogged down in but David has averted it, and he talks about exactly you know what he did uh, to avert uh, disaster and kind of an oncoming train that uh, would not have been a pleasant experience. So David Krause is his name, and I don't want to offer up any more spoilers or anything like that, but uh, yeah, no excuses. Every generation has a couple of bad apples, but the millennial generation, David, is definitely representing, so let's get to it.
1: Well, David, welcome uh, to the show. Thank you. Have you listened to any of these past ones before?
2: Uh, I flipped through. I think Ethan's.
1: Okay, so you kind of have an idea of what's going on here, but you know, I, I've for listeners out there, just to reiterate, I'll, I'll probably go over this in the introduction. But uh, I've met David through uh, the other business that I have, and oh man, when was that, Dave? What it's been what at least a couple of years? Yeah, I think that was
2: back in twenty sixteen.
1: Twenty sixteen, and you were how old then? Like twenty or twenty one or something?
2: Uh, I think I was 19 or 20, yeah.
1: Okay, so now you're what, like 21, 22? Yep, I'm 21 now. Okay, cool, so the other reason why I wanna do this is because uh, you're you're considered a millennial, right? Sure. Yeah, and are you aware, David, that millennials kinda have a bad rap? Oh,
2: absolutely, I, I hear it a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my goal here, so don't let me down, I, you won't let me down, but not only, I mean every generation has a bad apple, but um, I would say that David does not meet the stereotypical criteria of what a millennial is. And I could be fully biased because, David, are you still attending school right now? Yes
2: sir, I'm I'm still in school at Ohio State. I have one class left until I graduate.
1: Okay, cool. So, Because I know you're doing some police academy stuff, so I wasn't quite sure how that all jived. But yes, David is still going to school at my alma mater, The Ohio State University. So I could be totally blinded. Maybe David is like the biggest scumbag on the planet but I just can't see it because he's a, he's a fellow Buckeye. So I guess we'll let you as viewers make that determination for us. But um, I don't even know where to start with you. I just know that you are somebody that does like everything. <laughs> and let me, let me ask this because I've, I've lost track of how many jobs and, and stuff you, you you've done just to hustle. But what was your first ever job? Oh man, I've kind of
2: lost track of my jobs. Uh, My first ever job was, I was helping my dad out with his business, but my first real job was working in a law firm, doing some paralegal type stuff, and also managing a bunch of rental properties for the attorneys.
1: Okay, now you said you helped your dad with his, what what is your dad's business, if you're able to say? Sure,
2: I could say. uh, He's a fine jeweler, but uh, recently he retired a few years ago, so.
1: Okay, so you worked in like, does he have a brick and mortar jewelry store, or?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's just retail sales.
1: Okay, and was that what you did for him, or did you work like behind the behind the scenes in the back room, quote unquote? Oh no, I I would just help out in the show floor. So you were doing like sales and stuff. Yep. And at what age was this all occurring? Oh, it
2: was, it was a family business, so I I would just help out whenever I could, um, just from as young as I can remember. But I didn't help out. I didn't help out every day, but around holiday times, busy seasons, that's when he would need me to be in there.
1: Okay, now were you actually interacting with the customers and stuff, trying to sell jewelry? Or were, I mean?
2: Uh, it was usually just me helping, um, we, we would always lock the door, so going to open the door, letting people in and out, and then if they wanted to see something, um, being able to show it to them, or having one of the other sales associates that knew what they were doing, show them.
1: Okay, I was going to say, I mean that's that's pretty good if you were like in the in the trenches of sales already at that age, but regardless, that kind of clearly got your feet wet in the world of yeah, you know, life is not one big silver spoon. You actually have to go out there and work for things. And I mean, how long were you there and then from that point what was I guess what was that next job you ever you you moved on to?
2: Uh, I would just help out uh, here and there, like I said, during the holiday seasons. But then once I was uh, 16 or 17, I started working on a political campaign for an attorney It's a family friend. And eventually it landed me as a a job helping to rent out their rental property and eventually working in their law firm uh, as a paralegal sort of job.
1: Okay. Now let's let's do this because I I like the theme here around... When you usually just do something, it's amazing how many other somethings all of a sudden just start to appear. Mm-hmm. So you started and you you were, you were ran a, a political campaign. How did that come about? Did you volunteer for it? Did he specifically ask you? But how did you actually land in that spot?
2: Well, I learned from my mom that he was uh, running for the political office and uh, I just volunteered. I said, this would be a great opportunity. I'm interested in politics and government. So I wanted to help them out. So I I, def- I definitely started doing that. And then eventually I did such a good job that they gave me more and more responsibility in the campaign and then eventually in their normal business.
1: Okay. What did you start off doing with in the campaign? Well, first off, see, this is why I like David and, and to you as listeners out there, I was going to say, especially to you young people, but really to anybody. It's amazing what volunteering and just throwing yourself into something can do for you because he kind of already spoiled it this all this led to more and more jobs for him within this organization. But none of that would have ever occurred had he not just volunteered in the first place and then of course done a good job. But even before doing a good job, he had to just volunteer. So you volunteered what and I'm assuming you went in kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, which is would be expected. What did you start doing and then kind of as they gave you more and more responsibility, like you said, what was exactly that responsibility?
2: So the first thing that they had me doing was going just door to door, knocking on doors, just telling what, what we were about, passing out flyers, and uh, eventually they upgraded me to doing that and planning the, the canvassing routes and which which houses we'd go to first and how how that works.
1: Do you have any good stories about knocking on somebody's door, like? Have you ever looked down the face of a 12-gauge of a shotgun or anything?
2: <laughs> uh, fortunately, I've never had a gun pointed at me, or at least to my knowledge, they might have had it behind the door. I just didn't see it. Um, I, I've met some people that were nice. I've also met some people that, that weren't so nice, but uh, I think overall, most people are very respectful and um, they they love to talk to you. So it's a good thing.
1: And this is when you were what, 17, 18?
2: Uh, I, was, I was probably 16 or 17 at this time, yep.
1: That I mean, that's great. Well, I guess I don't want to speak for you. Would you say that going around knocking doors, having to explain somebody's positions, and I'm assuming field questions every now and then, that that probably kind of sets you up very nicely for life. Um, Maybe not necessarily for public speaking, but I suppose public speaking in some senses, because I mean, you got to get out there and be able to be nimble on your feet when it comes to conversation and you know acting professional, not looking like a total doofus. I mean. I guess what I'm asking is, would you recommend any sort of job like this to somebody that is younger? I mean, sure, it's uncomfortable to be knocking on people's doors and stuff like that, but uh, have you noticed that it's kind of helped you out in uh, you know since then in terms of just kind of life in general?
2: Oh, absolutely. If if you ever if you're ever interested in politics or something and w- have the opportunity to volunteer for a campaign, I would definitely say get involved because just going out and talking to people has really helped helped out my public speaking and. Uh, just interacting with people in general—it's great.
1: Yeah, and I, I would almost think that—not even necessarily politics. I mean, I don't know what else you really go around and knock on doors for. I guess that if you—you know—you could become like a temporary Jehovah Witness or something <laughs> like that. But I'm not sure what else you would knock on doors for. But I mean, I'm thinking even if like you're trying to sell chocolate bars or something, just getting out there and removing yourself from your comfort zone—I mean, it would make sense why you would say that it has helped you out in so many different ways. So it starts off by just knocking on doors. And then you start to plan the routes and such. What was the next kind of phase of responsibility that they gave you?
2: Um, for, for that, that was pretty much all the responsibility I had just for that campaign. But then um, after the campaign was over, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost. But I think that uh, that might have been a, a very good thing to happen to them because it just gave him more time to work on his business and make more money. Uh, next thing is that I started renting properties for him.
1: And they, like you said, they gave you that job because you had done such a good job with the, the, the campaign itself.
2: Exactly. It, it was really weird because uh, he showed me these apartments and he said, all right, I need you to rent these for me. And I had never done anything like this. I didn't know how much to rent them for, where to advertise them and everything, but I picked up on it quickly and you know, soon enough I was renting more and he was giving me more and more responsibility.
1: Okay, you picked up on all this. So where did you learn how much to charge? Where did you learn how to screen tenants? Where did you learn, I mean, you're basically, you were dipping your toe in the world of real estate investing. So how did you figure all this stuff out?
2: Absolutely, well, if I ever had a question, I would just ask, I looked up what comparable rents were and this was a, a big apartment building. It probably had 12 units in it and the first thing he says is, "I'll just rent this unit. So uh, I think I ended up renting that unit and then, uh, I I found the tenants by posting on Craigslist and also, uh, th- what's this one website? I forget what it's called. It's like Hot Pads, but it posts on the Zillow, Trulia, and it's it syndicates on all those different websites, uh, which was great. So I, th- I found these tenants through Craigslist. They came up and they applied, um, ran their credit, checked them for evictions through the court. And uh, once they were good, we signed the lease and they're attorneys. So they taught me all about the leasing paperwork and process. and. How to make sure that uh, you limit your liability in that sense?
1: That's awesome. I I, I forgot that you had that the, the law firm stuff. So I mean, yeah, having lawyers as mentors in terms of real estate law and, and applications and contracts and all that—that um, that would be a, a super good source to go to. And did you I, I, did you get to come up with the uh, the criteria in terms of? we need, you know, X credit score or it's no good, or did they give you the criteria that, um, you know, to, to whether you would qualify or, you know, disqualify uh, a potential tenant?
2: Well, uh, it's not so much about credit score, at least for us at that time. A lot of people that we had coming to us didn't have any credit or their credit was bad, which was okay, uh, just as long as they didn't owe any outstanding utility bills, because if they're not gonna pay the electric or the gas company, Uh, or even the the phone or internet company, what, what makes you think that they're going to pay us and also just checking to make sure that they hadn't been evicted, uh, by another landlord or, and that they also didn't have some kind of crazy criminal history or anything like that.
1: Okay, and who came up with that criteria? Was that you or is that uh, your boss telling you that those were the standards that you're gonna judge people by?
2: Yeah, that was was definitely my boss and my mentor just telling me what kind of things I should be looking for. And also he'd say, hey, do you think that someone that just got evicted uh, from another place, we should rent to them because they didn't pay rent there? And sort of helping me find out on my own what was the criteria we needed to have.
1: I like that, I like that approach where your mentor he wasn't necessarily telling you what to do, but he asked questions that would lead anybody with common sense to the answer. And uh, you know, like the questions he would prompt. Well, if they haven't paid at previous spots, do you think that means it's a good leading indicator that they would pay for here? And of course, because you have common sense, well, no, that's probably not a good leading indicator that they're going to pay now. And another nice little uh, you know nugget that I think uh, if you are interested in real estate investing is yeah, look at those utilities because if people aren't going to pay the little. Phone bills or the electric bills or stuff like that, then I mean, what makes you think they're going to be able to actually pay for you know the, the rent itself? And um, you know, so just little things like that can go a long way because in real estate investing, it's especially when you're in the rental and landlord uh, you know niche of things. Yeah, if you get bad tenants in there, it can be a, a massive headache. Now, how was your uh, how was your placement record? Did you ever have to evict anybody, or did most people that you uh, place stay in there and no drama.
2: Yeah, um, sometimes you have to evict people, that's just how the business goes, but, uh, and sometimes you're wrong about people, but definitely the the vast majority of times, I'd find good tenants and they'd, they'd be in there for a while. It was great.
1: Yeah, and how were you, was this like a per hour thing you were paid by? Was it a salary position? What what kind of was the actual pay structure? You don't have to give it any numbers or anything, but how was that actually broken down? Was this like, a a part-time job, where you're working, you know, four hours straight in the office, or is this just like a per meeting type payment plan, or what?
2: Right. So at first, it it um it's it was an hourly thing, and then eventually, I would get uh, commission, little bonuses every time I'd rent a unit.
1: Okay, so that was nice little bonus uh, build in there. And uh, how long? You don't still do this anymore, right?
2: Uh, I'm looking to get back into it for myself, but we, we could talk about that later if you want.
1: Yeah, cool, no, for sure. But, so uh, you don't do it right now for him, but how long did you actually, um, how long were you uh, a real estate mogul in training?
2: Uh, I did that from the time I was, uh, f- until, from 17 to probably 20 or 19. Whenever I came to Ohio State, I stopped doing it for them, but still keeping up for my family.
1: So the majority of this was done while you were essentially in high school still?
2: Yes sir, I was volunteering and getting this job, locking it down when I was in high school.
1: Nice, that's awesome. And now, were you doing the paralegal stuff at the same time as this, or did this whole real estate thing then kind of piggyback you into the paralegal when you actually got your feet wet in the the law firm itself?
2: Uh, Well, at first I was doing the real estate, and then I started doing the paralegal type work, uh, working in the law firm, and then, I would pop in and out to show properties and uh, get things rented.
1: Okay, and I'm curious here, but to be a paralegal, you don't, do you, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you don't because you're doing it without any degree, but mm-hmm. is that pretty traditional or do people usually have some sort of degree uh, to be able to you know operate as a paralegal like you were doing?
2: Right. So uh, I'm not really sure on the specifics, but I think that there's a, some kind of community college class that will teach you how to be a paralegal, get a certification that uh, says that you're qualified to work in a law office or anything. But uh, they said not to do that because they would teach me everything I needed to know. And sure enough, they did. And it was great on the job training.
1: I like that, and you were able, well I think there's a valuable learning lesson here, and this probably goes without saying, but in this you know, current time, who knows, but it sounds like they were willing to spend their time helping out David because David had already proved himself that he was actually worth people spending time on. So I mean, that when you get out there and when you don't think maybe people are paying attention to you or you don't think that, am I making any progress at all? Somebody is paying attention and when you do that, again, just stuff starts to happen. And see, I didn't know this about David. Um, Some of the stuff I'm playing stupid about, but I had no idea that they basically just taught you for free because you had already proven to them that you would be a good investment of their time to to, to teach everything. Uh, Is that pretty much a fair summary? Is they they just looked at you because you did such a good job with the political campaign, then you did such a good job with renting that they're like, hey, now let's teach this kid how to be a paralegal? Is that essentially how it, Played out.
2: Absolutely, they they knew I was capable of it, and uh, they just kept giving me more and more and more. And eventually, I had um, a lot of responsibilities.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's good stuff. You just get out there and do something, and, and stuff starts to happen. Now, what? Excuse my ignorance here. I mean, I, I've probably been corrupted by Hollywood and and, and all of that. But what exactly does a paralegal do? I mean, I know you help out the lawyers but what does that consist of so
2: uh it depends on how much responsibility they give you uh a lot of it could be just filling in the blanks on certain pieces of paperwork uh but uh the more uh, or the more complicated it gets, you could be actually going down to the law library and doing research on cases or let's say that uh, one of your clients gets foreclosed on or there's some kind of case uh, to where it's at some point I was actually uh, drafting the replies and stuff myself um, and doing my own legal work and then having them uh, tweak it to how they wanted it to be and then having them sign off on it.
1: Now, did you have any sort of tasks that you enjoyed more than the other? I mean, I'm assuming there was, your least favorite task was probably just filling in the blanks that probably kind of anybody would have done. But uh, did you have any tasks that you enjoyed more uh, compared to other ones?
2: Yeah, I I really liked uh, doing my own work, doing the legal research, and then also uh, being able to defend foreclosures and and stuff like that where I'm really doing high-level legal work uh, that I don't have any kind of a law degree or anything like that.
1: Okay, and like I said, I'm playing for full disclosure' sake for listeners. I'm playing dumb here, but is this what kind of got you interested and wanted to pursue a law degree, or was, did something else occur where you already knew that you wanted to pursue a, a law degree? Uh,
2: I, I really, I like to think um, that I'm good at arguing, or I like to argue, uh, and also just working here, it did definitely solidify that I wanted to pursue a law degree. So. I uh, I went to Ohio State to get a philosophy undergraduate degree, uh, pre-law, uh, pre-professional designation, um, and I don't know if you know this, Clay, but philosophy majors at Ohio State uh, tend to score higher on the LSAT. We actually score highest out of any major, and uh, it's one of the, it's probably the best pre-law major.
1: Now, why do you think that is? I, 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 I did not know that first off, but out of curiosity, why do you think philosophy majors score better? Uh, I mean, because right now, I mean, I get it, you uh, you have to think mm-hmm. philosophically, but right. how, how does that equate to, uh, I mean, do you have any theories? I don't know, I'm just throwing this out, throwing it out there as a, a thought question.
2: Well, um, we're really good at critical thinking, generally, um, and arguing, that's a lot of what philosophy is, doing arguments, uh, objections, replies. This this sort of stuff, and also if you think about what law school is, or at least how it's been reported to me, it's that it's a lot of reading and writing, and really in philosophy, that's all we do is we read stuff and we write papers.
1: That is true. I'll I'll, I'll go along that premise. That that does make sense uh, because you have to be able to to think in a logical form. You have to be able to structure your thoughts in a way that offers context and that offers um, the opportunity to you know rebut and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, that does make sense. Now, how did you, or how are you going to school? Do you have loans or is this coming from you just hustling? But how are you exactly paying for the, the, the current degree?
2: Right, so I, I don't have any loans, I don't have any debt. Uh, my, I'm fortunate enough, uh, my grandpa was able to help me out with a lot of this so that I don't have to have any loans. Unfortunately, he just passed away uh, a week or two ago, so.
1: Oh man, sorry cool. to hear that. Yeah. Um, now, so your grandpa clearly a good guy. And let's say he he uh, you know hadn't helped you out at all, with as much as you've been working, mm-hmm. I'm still assuming that yeah you may have some debt, you may have some loans, but I, I, I don't think it would be that much, would it?
2: Um, I don't think I don't think it would be that much, but at the same time, let me let me rephrase sure. let me
1: rephrase the question because right now, because you have had help, I'm sure a lot of your budget has gone to spending on things that yeah I mean. I don't have to make any school payments so I'll just spend that money on X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And some of those are probably just, yeah, did I really need to go out to the bar, for example? Or did I really need to go see that movie? Or did I need to really buy that piece of technology? Which makes sense and which is fine because you don't have any student loans. But had you known that you weren't gonna get any help, I'm assuming some of that money would have probably never been spent for those expenditures and probably been put towards loans or just put towards your school in general. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, definitely, and that's one of the reasons why my trading account has gotten the way it is and also my investing accounts is because most of that money that I make just goes to my investing because I know how important saving for the future is.
1: Yeah, okay, that's awesome, and we'll definitely get there. So I mean, really, it's not like you're squandering money away anyways. You're taking that savings and putting it into the stock market to begin your investing at a young age, Um, but even if, like I said, the original premise, if you hadn't gotten any help, instead of that money going into investing in the stock market, I'm assuming that extra money would have just gone into the investment known as your college education. Is that a, a fair assumption on my part?
2: Yes, yeah, yes, sir, absolutely. And you know, looking back on it now, just one class short of graduating, we're graduating in December. Um, for what I'm doing right now, I didn't realize it at the time. I don't even need a college degree, really. I think that. Um, it, it, I know that you're a big fan, or at least from what I understand, you're a big fan of trade schools and stuff like that. Uh, I definitely agree with that. I think that a lot of people think they need to go to college, but really it's not necessary a lot of times.
1: No, I, I agree. You're right. I, 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 this is what I'm a fan of. I, have a, I am a fan of people doing something that will give them the ability to re- repay the investment that's made. Some people call it a debt, I'll call it an investment. And in your situation, yeah, you're getting a philosophy major and you look at the job demand, not the greatest, mm-hmm. but, but in your defense, that this is just a platform to get the law degree um, that you would want to get to and you're a beast, you work. It's not <laughs> like you're one of these kids that are sitting around playing video games. My student loan debt is huge and you're complaining about this as you sit and play your video games or do whatever. So I mean, it's always apples and oranges. Blanket statement. Yeah, uh, you know, you gotta be careful with what major you get, but you can always overcompensate for anything. I mean, I have no problem with people that wanna get a, a degree in, I don't know, the history of Roman Wood Shoes or, you know. <laughs> go ahead, if, and if that's all good, if you're gonna be graduating debt-free because you're a monster and you, you beast mode it and you're working all the time, or you're gonna graduate with just a few thousand dollars in debt, then go for it. But to graduate with 40, dollars of debt with that degree, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the wisest decision, but David, I mean, I'm with you. I have an engineering degree. What I do right now did not require an engineering degree. So, I mean, it's, um, but I also didn't graduate with that. I was out there doing, kind of doing my thing with the the, the book business right. and stuff that I had going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so you're right, trade schools are great and that that's, I appreciate your candidness there because here you are somebody that's about to finish up your philosophy degree and now you're saying, yeah, Maybe maybe a trade school would have been the best route, but I mean, it all it all boils down to work ethic, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, for
2: sure, um, for sure.
1: Oh, I gotta work. I, I mute the mic here yeah. just to try to. So I got to uh, for you listeners out there. I, I promise I'm here. I'm like scrambling over here trying to get uh, the, the the mic unmuted. But so you, so one class away, like literally. You, what, what, what class are you currently taking that class right now?
2: Yep. I'm currently taking the class right now. And, uh, like you mentioned before, what is the class. It's, uh, yeah, it's history of ancient philosophy. The professor is being very accommodating, and very cool. Uh, it's just two papers, uh, pretty simple, uh, class, especially for the background and the other classes I've taken in light of that. Uh, I'm able to breeze through it. He's letting me just do the papers. I don't even go to the class classroom
1: sessions. I, I love large unit. Now did you go and talk to him and explain your situation?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I explained that with work um, that I, I wouldn't be able to come to the classes and definitely graduate, graduating and already having the job lined up is, is definitely taking a lot of stress off me.
1: Yeah, I, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, I found it counterproductive um, when I went, so my junior year um, at Ohio State, I got a, an internship out in Kansas City with Honeywell mm-hmm. and then at the end of that summer, they gave me a job offer. So going back before I even started my senior year, you know, I had this job. I, I don't remember what it was. I think it was like for fifty two thousand dollars a year. So I don't know, something like that. But back in two thousand six, yeah, that was that was that was good. That was definitely above average. So I'm sitting there in school like, Man, what am I here for? I already got a job offer. I'm gonna be making above, you know, the normal. And I mean, it's definitely uh helpful, but at the same time, like you're saying, it's kind of a, uh, um it's good, but for me, it was kind of rough because it, it almost decentivized me in some senses. In terms of, you know, how much work should I be doing? How much work do I need to do, and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I realize that's kind of a, probably a person by person type situation. But is that kind of what you're experiencing right now? Uh,
2: I don't know if I'm decentivized just because I have a job, but I realize that this is the right financial decision is to be searching for a job while I was in school and then get get that and then, you know, I only have one class so I might as well be working uh, instead of just doing my one class and then not doing anything or say, still delivering pizza, I have a legit full-time job.
1: I, I love it because uh, I love how your justification is, well, you know, this, that, and that. So I might as well just be working. I mean, you say it so nonchalantly, <laughs> like it's kind of like common sense. Like, I, so I might as well just be working. But see, this is what I mean, listeners. Millennials, yeah, there, there's some definitely just, you know, bad apples out there. But there's also millennials where, as you notice, probably David said, he, I mean, he didn't even notice it. I just noticed it listening in. But he so nonchalantly and almost commonsensically was like, yeah, yeah, so what else? I, I might as well just work. Like, I, the, the, the schedule allows for it, so I, I might as well just do it. Now, we got kind of oh, you were talking about your philosophy degree. Now let's just kind of talk about, and I think I know all the jobs, but you're always changing. Okay. But what are what are some of the jobs that you have worked while you've been in school? I, I can think of two off the top of my head. One is definitely a favorite of mine, but I don't want I don't want to let that cat out of the bag. But what are some of the jobs you've done? Uh, well,
2: I I did pizza. That was my main thing. I delivered pizzas um, and I, I found, fortunately, I found at, uh, I, at first I worked at uh, Domino's and then I realized that I can make more money at Donato's because uh, at Domino's, they only pay you like it's less than minimum wage, it's server wage. So it's like $4 um, while you're out delivering your pizzas and then it's minimum wage when you're at the store. But the good thing about Donato's is that they pay you minimum wage for all the time that you're working and then your tips are just any bonuses. So I did the math when I was working at Donato's, I was making like $21 and 30 cents an hour. Now, of course you have to account for gas and stuff to come out of that, but it was pretty good though.
1: Did I, you didn't hear that? Did you? No, I didn't. Yeah. I had my might on mute. So, uh, I thought I unmuted it, but I actually muted it when I did that. Uh, for your uh, twenty dollars an hour, you said you know that didn't include gas. How much do you think included gas?
2: Oh, I was at least making, I would say seventeen, eighteen bucks an hour.
1: Okay, and Donato's, then that's not a national chain, is it? Is that just local to, to the campus?
2: Uh, no, it's it's a it's a chain. Um, it, it was our store was corporate owned.
1: Was it okay? Yeah. Well. If you do not, because we do not have a Donatos around West Michigan that I'm uh, that I'm aware of, but um, oh, that's pretty good. If you do have a Donatos, okay, then uh, then you would know as a listener. Now, was it just Domino's and Donatos, or did you have any other? um, Because this kind of reminds me of real estate. You you got to run comparable rents when you're doing that, right? But you you essentially did like comparable pizza delivery (laughs) employment places. So were there any other? Uh, pizza places you worked for? Uh, no,
2: that was that was all the pizza I worked for. But yeah, next time you're at Columbus, we'll have to get Donato's or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know, I gotta hit up Catfish. Catfish, Fish. yeah. Are they, are they still, they're still around, oh, right? Oh yeah,
2: they're on the 11th, it's pretty good.
1: Pretty good, I remember that being epic, but yeah. I don't know, that, that's, been, that's been a while ago, but uh, I, I'm glad to know that they're still around. And we gotta get some Buckeye Donuts too. Okay, yeah. I mean, you like Buckeye Donuts, right? Sure, Buckeye Donuts, are good. Yeah, all right. Now, you, I'm not gonna let you off the, I know you know more about the pizza delivery game in terms of how you just beast mode it and get it done. Oh, uh, okay. Is, you know, when you when you, you you pull into the parking lot, did you walk or did you run? I mean, what, talk, talk us more about, because there could be a listener out there that needs some extra cash, and I'm, I'm not even saying this to try to be funny, but I feel like you have really fine-tuned the game or the business of delivering pizzas. I mean you're you've already given a good tip in the sense of, yeah, Domino's isn't that great. Look for something like Donato's and you can, you know, work the numbers that much better. But I mean there is other stuff that you were doing that fine-tuned you as a pizza delivery machine that much more. So what other tips can you give people? You know, how did you go about it?
2: Okay. So if you're going to be delivering pizza, the first thing you got to realize is that it's all about the tips. So if you're just standing around not doing anything or even folding pizza boxes, doing dishes, you're not maximizing your income potential. So when you get out of that car, you got to run inside the store to get that next delivery because anytime that you're not on a delivery getting that tip, you're just not going to be making as much money.
1: And the way it works is, correct me if I'm wrong, if you don't add delivery, then the store is not gonna allow you to just stand around and wait for a delivery. It's gonna say, go fold those pizza boxes or go do some dishes, is that how it works?
2: Yeah, It. Um, so at, and this is totally backwards from what you'd think, but the place where I wasn't making as much money, at, uh, Don- at Domino's, uh, we actually had to do dishes and sweep the floor and do all this stuff, but uh, I transferred to Donato's I was making more money, and all I had to do was fold pizza boxes in my off time. They, they had inside people that would help us out and do whatever needed to be done, take out the trash, do all the chores that so that the drivers could focus on uh, answering the phone, folding pizza boxes, and delivering those pizzas, getting those tips.
1: But to your original point, if you're folding boxes or if you're answering the phone, you are not maximizing your time, Correct.
2: Absolutely, but sometimes just to be a team player, you do have to answer the phone. You do have to fold boxes, but uh, when it's time to go, you, you got to be moving fast to deliver those pizzas. Um, you're running in, in and out of the store and uh, finding those addresses as efficiently as possible, even calling them ahead a time to say, hey, hey this is David from the just wanted to let you know that uh, I'm going to be there with your order in five minutes or I'm 10 minutes away with traffic. Just wanted to let you know, so I'll see you soon.
1: And you're, the, the logic behind that is you're just providing good customer service and because your time is best maximized by getting tips, mm-hmm. did you notice that that probably helped your tip game go up? Oh,
2: it, it definitely helped just be nice to people, but also you're letting them know. <laughs>
1: it's shocking how that works, <laughs> huh?
2: Right, you're also just letting them know, hey, he's gonna be here in five minutes or 10 minutes so that when you get there and knock on the door, uh, maybe that their, their money's ready or they're ready to open the door to, to get the order and sign Signed for the uh, to tip you on their credit card.
1: I like it. I like it. And just to to clarify, you are not metaphorically speaking when you say you would park your car and then run into the store. You literally ran.
2: No, I, I would. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I would actually run into the store. And we talked about this in uh, one of the other podcasts for sure.
1: Yeah, no, and this is one of my. I mean, that's one of my favorite stories I've heard in any <laughs> podcast. Was just that's what hustling is all about. Literally, I mean, like, I, now I have met David, um, and down in Columbus once. So I mean, we've met in person. So I, I can visualize, I can picture him pulling into the the, the lot, turning off his car, just opening up the door, closing it, and then just I, I can picture it. Him literally <sighs> running into the store to try to get that next order, so he maximizes his time. And I love that. That is that is that is what hustling is all about. And once more, that's you know this is a millennial we'll talk we're we're talking about here, and he's out there doing it uh, for pizza delivery. Now, did you ever? I mean, you're a college kid, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever, or did you ever struggle with the whole ego thing, with the pride thing? You know, where oh yeah, I, I deliver pizzas, or did that just not ever phase you? Because I feel like sometimes people don't want to do it because. I don't know they have too much ego. They ha- they have too much pride. Did you ever struggle with that?
2: Uh I I well when I was back when I was single and I'm talking to girls maybe at bars or something I would never tell them, "Oh, by the way, I'm a pizza delivery driver." Unless it, I was doing it to some joke with them or something. But uh, no, there's no problem for me because I realized that it is a good way to to make money quickly and you know, you're know you out there hustling, working hard, building up your savings, building up your trading account, whatever it is that you need the extra money for, it's a great way to make it.
1: No, absolutely. And I, I think that the proof is in the pudding. I, I think you, you've broken down the numbers where if you're gonna let ego or pride get in the way of making, we'll call it $17 an hour, then I'm sorry, because $17 an hour is a whole lot more than minimum wage and at the end of the day, you just gotta, who cares? Who cares what somebody says? Who cares what somebody thinks? Because I, I would be willing to, to wager that some of those people that are probably talking trash or whatever, if you were to look at what they're making per hour, I, I bet the pizza delivery person, assuming of course, remember, you have to use the David business model where you are hustling, where you are maximizing your time, but I, I think pizza delivery people make a, a whole lot more than what um, you know others may, May kind of look at it and then jump to the conclusion of, but I, I like how you never uh, worried about that or you know let the ego get in the way because that's just I like how you said it. look I didn't really care because I was making good money and that's really all you need to you know you need to focus on and also like I said it helped you increase your savings did it Do you have any like good stories from there? What I'm trying to get at is my argument for part-time jobs such as delivering pizzas or whatever is it's giving you the intangible. Money in the sense of if you're sitting in an interview and somebody, you know, the, the, the potential employer asks you a question and you're sitting there, that's somebody that's always played video games, never gone out there and done anything, your life experience is basically zero. So how are you ever gonna answer, a, with a quality answer, a question? Whereas you, David, I, I, I bet there would be some question that you could get at, at some point in life from an employer in an interview, and you're like, well, you know what? I used to deliver pizzas and one time I was delivering pizzas and this happened, and the way it pertains to your question is because of that, and then I handled it all by acting in this manner. I mean, would you agree that just random odd jobs like you've had, sure it's giving you a monetary value in terms of payment, but it's also giving you lots of life experience that you may be able to reach into your back pocket someday, and you know, give us some sort of answer within an interview. I mean, have you gotten some of those good life experiences through doing this?
2: Oh, absolutely. And like you just said, I've I've actually applied that. So when I was interviewing uh, to become a police officer for uh, the department, I ended up getting hired with. Uh, they asked me a question, and uh, I, I don't know how we got onto this topic, but I explained. Oh, yeah. What was
1: the, qu- what, what was the question? If do you remember?
2: Uh, I'm I'm not sure what the question was, but I remember. Um, oh, I think it was. It said something like how does your previous job experience make going to make you a better police officer? Or wh- why should we hire you? How has your previous experience uh, made you a better candidate? And so what I told him was that, oh, okay, for sure. So, um, well, here, here's what a lot of people would say. They'd say, oh, well, I work security and it's kind of like being a police officer. So they've he- heard that answer, I a- bet, a million times. But going in there and saying, well, uh, I used to deliver pizza and I got out and I uh, found, found houses, learning geography, learning that the even houses are on the north and east side of the street, and the odd ones are on the southwest, and that I got out and talked to people and it gave me uh, experience working with people and customer service. And maybe if someone wasn't uh, satisfied with their, with their service, I'd get to work with them, um, stuff like that. that. That was what really uh, stood out to them, I think, in my interview was being able to apply being a pizza delivery and tie that into how that would make me a better police officer.
1: No, I, I, you that's not, that's, you think, I guarantee you, that is what people are looking for. I mean, to go back to my original point, I mean, could you imagine if David, like was just kind of a, the stereotypical millennial where he's like playing video games and he's just not really doing anything and then he gets a question like that about, you know, what, how does your past experience, you know, best prepare you for this job? Well, you know, I uh, I have a call of duty, and in call of duty, you have to work as a team. So, uh, I mean, think about that. That's a terrible answer. But what are you supposed to say if that's all you do? Because you never get out there off the couch and step out of your comfort zone. So, I mean, sure, you may only be making minimum wage or a little bit more than minimum wage to you young people out there, but realize you're gaining good life experience that you can pull out of your back pocket like David just uh, told us here that helped them land that job and I mean, did it come up multiple times during the interview where you could pull back previous experiences from uh, all these other odd and end jobs or was it really just that one question? I
2: think it was just that one question because they wanted to see how we tied our previous experience into uh, how it would help us in that
1: job. Okay and I mean that's awesome and I, I like how there's just, now before I forget because this is my, you probably thought the pizza delivery thing was my favorite job but you were also a bouncer at one point, right?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I was working in the bars and uh,
1: now that- how did you how did you beco- how did you get become a? Let me set a little context here, um, and I don't mean any of this, and mm-hmm. I know this is different. Sure. But when I met David, I mean, he's not like he was some huge monstrous mountain of a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's he's tall, he's he's pretty lengthy, but I, I I wouldn't exactly call you like a brute. I wouldn't call you a bouncer. Okay. So how did somebody like you, you being kind of on the skinnier side, you know, I you know, how did you become a bouncer? I mean, this is if you would see David, if you would have met David when I did, you would be as just kind of bewildered as as I was when I first heard that all of a sudden you were you know acting as a bouncer. So walk us through this whole evolution of becoming a bouncer.
2: Well, since I met you last, i I think I've gained like sixty pounds. I went to the gym, uh, was practicing jujitsu, and uh, eating a lot, working out, lifting weights stuff like that, so I, I definitely got a lot bigger. Uh, what,
1: what got you into that? Now, you didn't do that because you wanted to become a bouncer, uh, right?
2: Oh, no, I just, I just like to work out and just physical fitness, be healthy.
1: Okay, and I mean, Jiu Jitsu, did that come from anywhere, come from anywhere special or?
2: Uh, I, I knew I wanted to be a cop and I also wanted to learn how to fight and a lot of it's self-defense, so it, it was pretty interesting and I think it's, you can really apply it uh, in real life on the street.
1: No, I I would fully agree there. Mm-hmm. Um, so jujitsu jujitsu came about because it kind of a combination of it's it's healthy, and then also you you figured it could help you as a police officer kind of. So it was kind of a double whammy then.
2: Oh, absolutely. The fundamentals of everything they teach are uh, in Brazilian jujitsu when when it comes to subject controls type stuff. It's all ground fighting. Um, but the cool thing is there were dudes that were even smaller than me, um, and a lot of times. Um, there's high turnover rate in these bars and they're paying the security guards just a little more minimum wage. Um, And some bars they'll tip you out at the end of the night, but um, you just go in and say, Hey, uh, are you guys hiring security guards? And at least around here, most of the time they say, absolutely. um, And they'll take you on. I think your mic's muted, Clay.
1: You were right; it was muted, and uh, uh, and I was going on for. I had a good spiel, so let me try it. Let me try it over again. But I just want to make sure I, I'm understanding. You just started lifting. You started eating because, well, that's just healthy. I want to. I, I like to work out, and then all of a sudden, I might as well get into jujitsu because that is uh, cardiovascular friendly. And then all of a sudden. Okay, that makes sense why you would probably become, a, you would be a good bouncer. But I, I get it, you just ask because there's a high turnover rate. I mean, but how did you even know to ask? Like, wh- wh- how does that come up? That you would know even to ask to become a bouncer?
2: Well, I um, well, some one thing you probably don't know about me is that I don't really drink that much, but um, I do like to go out to bars, hang out with my friends. And I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be great if I was getting paid to stand here? And sure enough, that's the way to do it.
1: <laughs> I love it, man, I love it. You talk about maximizing your time. Listen, if I'm gonna spend my time being here, is there a way I can monetize my time being here? And you figured out the answer. Just Absolutely. become a bouncer. Yeah. So as a bouncer, you could still hang out with your friends? Oh yeah,
2: they, you know, they can come up and talk to you or uh, I got my friend a job as a bouncer and now he's still into it, he's still doing it, just at a different bar but and it is it is fun to to be there, and uh, people will come up and talk to you, and it's, it's a good time.
1: <laughs> and that's fun. Oh, I love it. I l- see. This is why I like David. I mean, think about it, man. I'm 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 here. I'm here. Wouldn't that be great if I could get paid to be here? And now he's getting paid. Now, have you? I mean, do you get black eyes on a routine basis? Do you have any good stories you can tell us? Oh, uh, when I was a bouncer,
2: I. I never had anyone um strike me. I did have somebody square up on me, but um I, I grabbed him before he was he was able to like punch me or anything. So yeah.
1: Was it one of those jujitsu moves that you uh put on him? Um yeah it was. So but I so you just took you just took him to the ground and you had him what like in the the arm bar or something uh, like did you did you put him in the cross face chicken wing? Yeah, the the
2: uh, hot chicken uh, spicy sandwich. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I I just um, I basically just pushed him off um, and made space, um, and and really uh, then other bouncers showed up and I didn't have to do anything. I never uh, when I was working as a bouncer, yeah, you, you might get into little um, scuffles or maybe pushing people, but I never um, had it to where I was striking or gotten any real fights. I never got punched, anything like that. But I realize it is a possibility. <laughs>
1: that's that's good stuff. So, I mean, you, you did this, I'm trying to think, but I don't think I actually know the answer. You did this for several months, right?
2: Yeah, I did it for several months and then eventually I, I just got tired of it because I said, hey, I, I don't need the aggravation of dealing with drunk people all the time. And also the pay isn't the best, but it is good if, if, um, if you're committed to it and it was getting colder. And I th- said, hey, I don't really feel like staying out in the cold. I don't feel like being up all night. I mess up my sleep, sleep schedule. I have classes. So I uh, just stopped doing it.
1: What was the pay? I was gonna ask you that, and you you kind of yeah. wasn't that great. But what what exactly did you get paid? It was only ten bucks an hour. And you worked what like I don't know two or three
2: hours a night. No, I'd work usually from ten to th- about three a.m. or eleven to three a.m. And also one of the worst parts about it is you think it's all about fighting or controlling people, checking IDs, and um, you know that's the exciting stuff. But really, at the end of the night, you're a uh, a janitor that gets paid $10 an hour to, to clean up after people, and um, it can be pretty bad sometimes.
1: I feel like you're being very polite, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, clean up after people. Is this like vomiting you're cleaning up? What are, is that what you're cleaning up, or are you just talking about like wiping down counters because there's some spilled beer or something like that?
2: Oh yeah, it's it's um, anything from wiping down a counter, um, throwing away the trash, taking the trash out, um, to people vomiting, you have to mop it up or, uh, heck it could, it could be even worse than that. But also when, uh, when you're dumping the trash out, you gotta be careful cause it's, uh, it's pretty nasty. The liquid at the bottom of the trash cans that spill out might get on you. And also if you, let's say that you, they're pretty heavy. If you leave your hand inside the trash can to hold on to it when, uh, when you're taking it out, It didn't happen to me, but it's happened to people I know that, um, the broken glass comes out, slices their hand open, so it can be kind of dangerous.
1: I like how you said, "Yeah, it's a it's a glorified janitor who Absolutely. gets to fight every who gets to fight every now and then." Yeah. So, um, interesting. I and this was you mentioned either uh, ten to three or eleven to four. And I'm assuming this was weekdays too, right? Or or was this just weekends?
2: Uh, it was like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Um, sometimes I would work Sundays. It just depended on when they scheduled me when they needed me.
1: I can totally see then how that would be uh, rough from the, as somebody that actually wants to go to class and actually wants to do well with their studies, I can understand how that would definitely, um, that would grind you down pretty quickly, I would think. What time are your classes? I remember, do the do the 7.30 classes still exist? Do they still have those?
2: Uh, I don't know, I, I don't think that I ever had to schedule one of those, just because when I got here, I was taking classes at community college back when I was in high school, um, and I never, the classes I needed weren't ever offered at those times, or if they did, I'd avoid them, just because I know I'm not such a, a morning person. But yeah, it's being a bouncer, It's it's a good summer gig when you can get it.
1: Yeah, I just remember, so they do exist though. You, you know of people that have 7.30 a.m. classes?
2: Um, I, the earliest I've heard of is eight, but it's, uh, 7.30, I, something I mean, like I that's ringing I, a bell, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I could be wrong, but. No, uh, you're I probably right. <laughs> yeah, I remember I had some of those, and with engineering, it, I mean, it was kind of like, it's either this one or, I don't know, something like 3.30 one. I'm like, I don't want to go to 3.30, that's, I'm just gonna get it over with in the morning, but uh, right, I I could never, I, I couldn't imagine actually having 7:30 classes with that sort of time schedule. So that would just that would be insane. But regardless, you've been a bouncer, you delivered pizzas, you've got pizzas down to just a science. Are there any other jobs that you have done? I mean, you've worked in the law firm, you've done the real estate stuff, you've done a political campaign. Well, that was volunteer work, so that. Have you done anything else that you're that I'm not aware of, or that you just haven't talked about yet?
2: That's that's all I can think of right now. Um, but then, do you just want me to go on to how I got to where I am now and what I'm working on for the future? What, how do you want? to do this? Yeah,
1: I mean, we'll go wherever. There's there's definitely no structure here. Now, actually, let me maybe uh-huh. maybe this will um, and you you can sidestep this question for now if it doesn't fit in. Okay. But as you've already established. You wanted uh, to originally become a lawyer, hence the philosophy degree, because philosophy majors have have great LSAT scores. But now all of a sudden, and you've already talked about you've been accepted into a a a, a what is that called? Not a a police academy you've been accepted into, or what's the terminology I should be using?
2: Oh, so uh, right now I'm a sworn police officer. Um, I,
1: a, a, a police department. Yep. That's the word I'm looking for. Right, sure. a department. Mm-hmm. So now you're a police officer. So my question is, and like I said, you can sidestep it if you want to answer it later within the sequence of things, but how did you go from wanting to be a lawyer to now all of a sudden you wanted to be and are a police officer?
2: Right, um, so that's a great question. Uh, the, the way I got from that was I, um, I kind of knew I wanted to do this for a while. Uh, I My dad was used to be a deputy sheriff and um, just going through school, I started to get tired of my undergrad and I was thinking, wow, I don't know how committed I am to going through another three very, very intensive years of law school. And also thinking about the financial commitment I'd have to make, I might have to go into debt for that. And it just didn't seem like a smart financial decision to take on debt to go to law school. Also looking at the uh, prospective job market for attorneys, it's not so... uh, not so hot because are, there are just are so many lawyers. So um, I did a couple ride alongs. Wait, 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 I'm
1: cutting you off rudely. Okay. You, did you say that you looked into the prospective job market? Yeah. Did you hear that? Young people, That that is kind of wise. If you want to go and become a Roman Wood shoemaker, maybe check into the job market, the job prospects in that market before you go and spend a bunch of money and loaded yourself up with debt to do that. Because, David, I, uh, I I get it. Hollywood, everything makes it seem like, look at these lawyers, these hot shots, blah, blah, blah. But what did you actually find? I mean, you, you said there's just a whole bunch of lawyers, but I mean, what kind of numbers were you actually seeing out there for a, a realistic salary that you can make as a lawyer? Because this is critical, and once again, you just kind of glance by it like it was common sense, mm-hmm. but when you look at the statistics out there, we have a student loan debt crisis because apparently this is not as common sense as it should be for people to look into the job prospects before they get a degree. so what are or what I guess you give me what is the analysis that you came away with when you did your research in uh, you know the, the job analysis for for lawyers? Uh, f-
2: from what I saw is that it could cost you know hundred thousand bucks or more to to go to law school and, and pay for your living expenses and stuff also. That's three years of time that you might not be investing or doing other things that will for make you uh, make you grow, make your bank account grow. So it's three years that uh, how do I say it, uh, Clay? You gotta help me out.
1: <laughs> no, I just opportunity just, cost the opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah it's it's, a, it's lost time. So um, I mean, yeah, no, you you summarized it perfectly. I mean, that's time that you could have been spent generating revenue that just didn't exist. That's, yeah. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, for you listeners out there, remember when you're going to a free lunch, let's say this, you go and somebody buys you a lunch and that lunch cost, would have cost you $15, but you know the other person paid for it. But had you been, in, if you had used that time to go and do a job that would have paid you 50 bucks, guess what, that was not a free lunch. That free lunch actually cost you $35 because sure you didn't have to pay the 15, but you had to sacrifice 50 bucks. So. Net, net, you just lost 35 bucks for that, quote unquote, free lunch. So that's what David's talking about here when uh, with opportunity costs, whereas, yeah, you're going to school, but that's three years essentially gone. And not only is it gone, but like David said, is it $100,000? I mean, I'm not, it's not like I don't believe you, but mm-hmm. that's insane. Oh
2: yeah, it, it can like, be
1: like is, that. Is that, uh was that Ohio State's law school or is that just kind of a? The the What kind of schools were you looking at for that?
2: Yeah, I was looking at Ohio State. I was looking at Capital, um, And I just realized, uh, just talking to other lawyers and them telling me, oh, you really don't want to do this. It's a lot of work. And then it really just depends. I know you asked me for uh, income, but I, I don't really know a good answer for that. It just depends on what you do. But there's a lot of lawyers that are unemployed, I was reading about, or that just weren't making that much money. And it just wasn't worth the amount of debt that they had to take on.
1: And I love how, as part of David's research, did you catch it? He talked to other lawyers. What a brilliant, David, you're such a smart guy. (laughs) Thinking about going into law and then talking to lawyers before you go and take the plunge. And they flat out told you, uh, don't do it. I mean, is that kind of the moral of the story? They were uh, kind of saying, yeah, this might not be the best choice.
2: That's that's exactly what they're telling me. They're saying it's,
1: well, how it's did you get that out do. of them? I'm, I'm sure just like, so I'm thinking about going to law. I'm sure they didn't say, don't do it, don't do it. You, you must have asked certain questions that brought this out of them. Do you remember any of these questions that you were asking these lawyers as you were doing your research?
2: Yeah, I was just, you know, I'd be out to dinners or whatever talking to um, friends with other lawyers or just talking to different attorneys and they would, I would tell them my plan and they'd say, oh, you don't want to do that. So it, like you were saying, don't do it, don't do it. That's actually how it was
1: really and what was the reasoning for not doing it
2: uh, they were just explaining that there's high unemployment and they weren't making that much money and also um, high suicide rate very depressing job a lot of the time you're not you won't have fun with it and I, I know that for me and work it's definitely something that I'd like to enjoy what I'm doing and be able to have fun with it
1: amen well said and I I want to just really reiterate this, and I'm not trying to beat anybody, you know, as a listener over your head. But look at the statistics. Listen to my past podcast. You look at this student loan debt crisis, and this crisis would not exist if people actually did the homework that David is doing before actually taking on all the debt. So think about it. David is now avoiding possibly a hundred grand plus in debt because he just did some research up front. I Oh man, Dave, the good stuff. I I really wish people would would do this, and we would not have this student loan debt crisis. It's it's a lack of common sense crisis, is what it is. That's the t- that's the crisis. It is now. Your 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 dad was a, a sheriff, and you. I, I guess what is that? I don't even know. Here, I'll 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 go about it this way, even though it'll probably may make me look very ignorant. I figure that if you want to be a, a police officer you have to get a criminal justice degree mm. and then you go and just apply to some academy. Is that, am I just way off or how does it actually, you decided I'm not doing the law school thing, I want to become a police officer. Pick it up from there. What was the process from that point?
2: Well it all started about two years ago. I started uh, going on different ride alongs with different uh, agencies and I really enjoyed what I was seeing and they said that they loved their job and uh, the money they're making, uh, it wasn't horrible and great retirement system, great benefits, health insurance, and I'm sure, well, Clay, you're, you're self-employed, you know about how expensive health insurance can be for a family.
1: Uh, I pay uh, for a family, mm-hmm. four kids, my wife and myself, Fourteen hundred bucks a month. Wow, that's so that's
2: four, crazy. That's yeah. kind of
1: yeah, it's kind of insane. And I actually have a good plan. Uh-huh. Like this was way back before Obamacare and all that stuff, yeah. so I'm kind of grandfathered into something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fourteen hundred bucks. So David, uh, he speaks the truth.
2: I, I I think I pay less than seventy bucks a month now, and I have zero dollar copay. So yeah, yeah screw you. <laughs> so anyway, um, just looking through through all the benefits and stuff, and just realizing, hey, this might be something I want to do. Um, I applied about two years ago to uh, a, a couple places and then I just applied everywhere I could and.
1: Um, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You applied to a couple places. Yeah. What are these places? Are these police academy? What what, what are no. you applying to?
2: No, so you're, um, there's different ways you can go about this, but um, you can pay to go through a police academy and then apply to different police agencies and say, oh, I, I've already got this um, certification that I'm allowed to be a police officer. Um, Will you hire me and and pay me to be a police officer? Or um, you can go to to certain place, certain different agencies uh, and police departments that will pay for you to go through uh, their police academy or go through a police academy. So not only are they paying for your police academy tuition, but also they're paying you as a, a police officer, as an employee, and you have all these benefits while you're going through it, which is what I'm doing right now.
1: I did a a podcast several weeks ago about, basically, police officer, I I think this is more of a trade. Mm -hmm. That's kinda how I look at it, which is awesome, which is awesome, and you're walking proof of something I talked about a few weeks ago. In that case, it was airplane mechanics, where kids would, basically your age, they'd say, yeah, I I don't really know anything about airplane mechanics, but the, the employers would be like hey, we will pay for you to go to mechanic school and while you go to mechanic schools, we will still pay you some sort of, so like you just said, they're literally getting paid to learn a craft and then they're gonna get paid as soon as they're done. And I mean, they're, they're learning a skill and coming away totally debt free while getting paid. And that's exactly, if I'm understanding it right, how the police academies work if if you do it well. So is, is that the path you went down was you wanted them to pay for for you, is that right? That's um, kind of how it all uh, unfolded for you?
2: Absolutely, I wanted to, while I was doing this, I wanted to make sure that I, I was getting paid a salary and stuff and this hiring process to be in law enforcement, it really does take a long time. Like I said, it took me two years to get hired by um, the police agency I'm with now and it's just that it's a very very long hiring process. There's a lot of background checks, the polygraph, the um, the oral interview, all these things that um, a lot of people apply. A lot of people take this civil service test, where it all starts, um, but not a lot of people uh, see it all the way through the end, or they get bounced out of the process uh, during the during the process.
1: I've heard, I've read, and. I'm very bullish. Mm-hmm. I'm on the the, the the police sector as a job sector because you see all the news. And first and foremost, I 100% support police officers. There's always bad apples, right. So I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But because of a lot of the, the news media, because a lot of the it seems as though increased liability for police officers these days, like if you lay a hand on somebody, right. oh, you know, you know, that it is starting to shrink the job pool. Um, which for you is a good thing because if there's less people that are, are wanting to do it, you would you know that's going to make the job market that much stronger. And Absolutely. within your re, within your research, you know I'm not saying that's necessarily why, but am I right in thinking that the, the the job market for police officers, assuming you can get through you know past the polygraph and all the interviews and stuff like that, it's actually a pretty lucrative. Uh, you know, job field right now.
2: Absolutely, it can be. Everyone's hiring. That's that's one of the great things about it right now. It, um, the, the academy I'm in, um, some people are paying their own way to go through. And uh, one of the instructors said a few years ago, back when he went through, um, the instructors would tell you, oh, yeah, you'll have a job after this uh, academy's over. But it took him a long time to get on. But now it's just the reality is everyone's hiring right now. And, they, and there's a big need for police officers in the U.S.,
1: and that's exactly what matches up with uh, my understanding of the situation. When everyone is hiring, you know, again, when you let's go back to the research. If you find a job field where everyone is hiring, that means there's job uh, job demand. That that would be a good field to potentially pursue. And not to mention, when you uh, like David said, is what? Well, well, I want a salary while I learn the craft. Most places would be like, hey, screw you. What do you mean you're gonna you want to get paid to learn the craft? But in the world of trades. That's essentially what's going on right now because there's just a lack of workers and that's how you, basically David is leveraging the system in his favor. So Police Academy, I don't, I, like I said, I'm probably totally Hollywood. How, how long, just what is Police Academy? What do you have to do? Uh, oh wait, no, 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 before I, I forgot. What was the question from the polygraph test? I mean, I, I can, I can envision you sitting there, strapped up with this mm-hmm. big old machine. I mean, what kind of questions are they asking you?
2: Well, um, there's different types of polygraphs, but um, really, what you, what you think about it is, you probably think that you're hooked up to this machine um, for an yes, hour. I or I envision it. Yeah.
1: I envision you in a dark room mm-hmm. with a light, just <laughs> one single light shining down over you, and then there's somebody. You know, kind of a little ways off, and he's got suspenders on, and he's kind of a, a heavier set guy, and he's puffing on a cigar, <laughs> and he's 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 asking you questions. That's what that's how I'm envisioning this. So please, um, clarify my probably Hollywood eyes mm-hmm. envision of all this.
2: Well, uh, the good news is it's nothing like that. Um, uh, you go into this office, and your polygraph examiner will get to know you, ask you uh, questions about everything, and it can be intimidating because.
1: Now, are you hooked up while he's asking no, you and getting to know you? Not okay. at all, okay.
2: you're, you're only hooked up for like five minutes max at the end. So he asks you all these questions, it can be intimidating because there's a stranger It's asking you all, these, all, all different sorts of questions. Um, basically, in a job interview, usually you wanna just talk about your best qualities, but they really wanna find out about uh, your worst qualities and everything that you've done. Um, you don't have to be perfect, they just want you to be truthful. Uh, so you tell the truth on everything and then they hook you up to the machine and they the polygraph is just truth verification test and they verif- they verify that uh, you have been telling the truth and been
1: honest. Nice, I, um, when, I would, when I worked for Honeywell, it was technically for the Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I needed a security clearance for it and uh, somebody came to Ohio State um, because and this was like a pretty intense security clearance because it was always the they came like two weeks into school because they wanted to pick out who they wanted for their intern so they could get the process started so that you know eight you know seven eight months later by the time summer came around hopefully the clearance had come through and they could actually do this stuff out at the plant so they they send people out and they you know interviewed neighbors and all that sort of stuff past bosses but they had to obviously interview me too I can't remember what department I don't think it was the Department of Homeland Security I don't know some agency. And this guy, you know, he's sitting there and he's asking me questions. And one of the questions he asked me, and I bring this up because you're like, it's kind of intimidating, because mm-hmm. I know what you mean. He was just like, "Do you or have you ever had any plans to overthrow the United States government?" Right. And I was, you know, in my mind, I was thinking like, "Yeah, hey, I got him in my backpack. Do you want to see him?" Like, <sighs> yeah, I, I do have. Pl-. But he said it with such like seriousness where yeah. I was like, "Oh, do I have plans?" So let me. Um, no, I don't. Like it it's intense. Like I for a second there I thought that I was I had plans to overthrow the United States government, but I just kept a straight face and after I thought about it I said nope, no 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 plans to no plans to overthrow the United States government. And but it can be intense when they're asking you those questions. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I I agree. Now Police academy. Back to that before I cut myself off because I wanted to ask about this whole polygraph test. Sure, that was kind of a boring story though. I like my Hollywood. Uh, I like I like my Hollywood version better, where uh, somebody's puffing c- cigar smoke in your face and you're sweating and all that. But mm-hmm. oh well. Anyways, what is police academy? What do you do? Like, are, are do they just? I envision you like running over steps and, or you know, uh, those walls, and you're doing like cartwheels. You're climbing under barbed wire through mud puddles. I mean, what exactly do you do in police academy?
2: So in the police academy, uh, it's kind of boring at first. You get through all the administrative stuff, but then you're learning all all the laws, the legal section. But we're so far in that we're doing the pretty interesting practical stuff. So uh, we just got done shooting guns all week. Um, we just did. What do you those. shoot?
1: What are you shooting?
2: So we uh, at uh, my department we use the Sig Sauer P226 40 Cal.
1: Oh, and those are nice. I like mm-hmm. my Sig's. I think I like the Sig's better than the Glocks.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I, I have Glocks. I have, now I have a Sig. Um. So yeah, the Sig's shoot great. Uh, we just did building searches yesterday. Um, we're doing subject control and uh, defensive tactics, ground fighting, stuff like that all weekend, and then we're getting into a whole week of traffic stops, so it should be pretty exciting.
1: And what what sort of time span is all this gonna be covered in? Because it sounds like y- you haul through stuff, or is this like over the next couple of months you're talking about?
2: Oh, uh, well, we are 13 or 14 weeks into this. It's, I think, a 19-week program. It's over 730 hours of training, I believe, so. They train you okay, a lot.
1: I, the way you said it was almost like, well, then we're going to do this, and then you know, after lunch, we're going to learn how to do all that. Oh and then, no, it's not like that. Okay, all right. You're so each each of those components that you talked about. I mean, that's going to be a, a good chunk of time devoted to to, to each of those uh, skills. Oh, absolutely. My understanding. Okay, all right, cool. What has been your favorite thing so far that you've done?
2: Uh, I I really liked uh, driving, and I really liked shooting. It was um, it's pretty fun. Driving.
1: Is this like? I mean, are, are you going like one hundred miles an hour? What what exactly made driving? I am assuming fast, but what exactly does the driving part consist of? Well,
2: um, you are learning how to operate an emergency vehicle, and it's um, it's 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 a lot different than the normal driving um, when you are in that emergency mode. Um, but just going through cones, obstacle courses, it's uh, learning how to drive the police car. it's, it's pretty fun.
1: I, on the way, um, when I go down to my parents down in Ohio, there's a, we drive by, I think it's a state highway patrol training center or something, but they got the big parking lot out there and mm-hmm. they got a big fire hose, so sometimes, I'm assuming that sometimes they're spraying down the lot to get it wet so that people can learn how to drive in wetter conditions and, and all that good stuff, but well, they I'm have not to, gonna lie.
2: They, they have to wash cars every lunch, That every car in the parking lot they have to wash. So, um, But yeah, sometimes they spray it down and then you drive and it's slick, yep. Sounds about right. Yeah,
1: it, it, I mean, it looks fun. It, it looks fun. A couple of times we've been there, and you know, there's been cars driving and doing some cones. But it's like, oh, you know, that, that could possibly be a good time. And then shooting, uh, how does that work? You you start at what, like seven yards, and then you have to go back to ten yards, or what is the uh, the protocol for shooting? As, as a somebody that enjoys to to shoot myself, um, not that I'm any good at it, but you know, what what is the a police academy's uh, regimen look like? Well,
2: um, they, they start off with teaching you how to dry fire, um, teaching you how to load, unload the gun, the gun safety rules. Um, and then the qualification course, yeah, you do start up close and then you work your way back. They uh, Part of the qualification course, you do have to shoot with your left hand. Um, it, it, it is fun to be able to shoot with somebody else's ammo and they're, they're somebody else's guns. So,
1: Why do you say somebody else's ammo? I mean, I know why, but... At least I think I know why. Why do you say that though? Oh, uh, ammo's expensive. <laughs> As a For a cheapskate like me, yeah. and clearly David, we're kind of uh, cut from the same cloth. Every time you pull that trigger, like boom, 25 cents, boom, 25 cents. Maybe if you get like steel case ammo, it's boom, 17 cents, boom, 17 <laughs> cents. But uh, I, I I, totally agree. Have you ever shot ARs or anything?
2: I've never shot a rifle. Um, they, they don't require us to learn those. Um, but I, they do make you qualify on the shotgun and shotgun is pretty fun, especially when you put the uh, 12 gauge slug in there. It's pretty pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's boom 89 cents, boom 89 cents. You get with the AR, it's, I don't know. I, I've kind of, I, I do have a spreadsheet for ammo prices um, okay. for when I go out there and buy, but uh, it only gets more and more expensive. So I mean, but I shooting other people's ammo, I agree. Um, I the cost the- savings. The cost savings is just epic.
2: Yeah, it's great. And I think, um, I think, I forget what his name is, Colin Noor. He has a funny video about uh, he proposes that a gun addiction or, or uh, might be more expensive than a drug addiction, just buying all this ammo, buying <laughs> all these guns. Yeah, as I, you know. It,
1: it's, it, yeah, it really is. No joke. It's, um, Ammo is not the, the the well. I don't I don't know. I don't know if prices have come down. But regardless, yeah. Every time you pull that trigger, it's uh, somebody's. You're you're ringing the register. It, it's costing you, but it it, it definitely is fun, uh, for sure. Uh, you mentioned seventeen weeks was the course or nineteen weeks.
2: They say seventeen, but for us, it's okay. nineteen. I think.
1: Okay. And how far? And I'm sorry if you already said this, but how far into the? How many weeks are you already in?
2: I think we're thirteen or fourteen weeks
1: in now and then you, you wrap up and at that point are you literally out on the streets or is there some sort of transition phase from, because I know you've already been hired by the department but mm-hmm. how, how does that work after you finish the academy?
2: So uh, for us we have six weeks of in-house training. That's when we uh, learn more stuff about how our, our department wants us to do things, all our policies, procedures, all our um, 10 codes, um, our geography we have to learn. Um, we have to learn on their weapons, qualify, um, get tased, get maced, stuff like that. Um, And then- You have
1: to get tased?
2: I have to get tased and maced, yeah.
1: Real, I mean, I've already, I know like Marines and I think all military people have to get maced. Maybe they have to get tased. Are you scared?
2: Oh, um, it's gonna suck, but I'm really more scared of getting maced because it, it, it sticks with you longer, but with the taser, it's over after five seconds. But when you go to shower after you get maced, your pores open up and you get it all again, it sucks from what I hear.
1: I don't know now, what would be worse? Ah, Just the electricity, but that's true. That's that's a good argument that you offer. Right. If this was a courtroom, five seconds versus it sounds like a whole lot more prolonged. Days, agony. yeah. Ooh, why do, what's the logic behind that? Why do you have to get tased? I can understand mace or I suppose it's the same logic is in case the the, the, the person grabs it from you, 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 you'll kind of know what to potentially expect. Is that the the logic?
2: Yeah. So I I think that's the number one thing is that if you get maced, they show you that you can fight through it. So they'll mace you and then you'll have to fight, use your baton. Uh, I don't know if they make a shoot or not, but I know some places do. It's just show you that you can work through it. You can push through um, getting maced. And then with the taser, they also show you, and also it's... uh, I think it's also to show you uh, some compassion and what, what people are going through when you tase them or when you mace them so that you know you can understand what kind of pain they're feeling or understand how effective it can be. Nah,
1: screw them, they're breaking the law. I have <laughs> no compassion, I mean, right. I'm assuming there's some sort of verbal warning that you have said multiple times to these people before mace or tase is applied. May, may, I might just be an incompassionate person, but I, I right. feel like, uh, I don't know. I find I'm finding it difficult to to locate pity, given the circumstances of now. If you just go up and don't give them any verbal warning <laughs> at all and do it, okay, that's that's a little bit different. You're kind of a a bad apple, but mm-hmm. sir, 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 and you start to lose your voice because it's sirs. right? I, I'm I'm being kind of I'm being a little racist there, ma'am, 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 ma'am. There we go. Now now both uh, people are covered. I don't need any people writing in. What is up with sir? Why do you you don't think women are tased? I don't. Are women tased? Let's let's oh, get to the absolutely. bottom of this right now. Yep. Okay. Oh, absolutely with authority he says. Now, okay. Have you used the taser yet? Um yeah, on,
2: on a ride along he let me test it out, but I've never tased somebody.
1: Do you look forward to taste do you do you like want to taste somebody someday?
2: Um no, not really. I, I, especially from what on, some officers tell me is that they don't even use their mace because it's just uh, it gets everywhere when you mace somebody. And also the taser, it can be relatively ineffective if they if they got like say a winter coat on or
1: something. Oh yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if. I wonder can adrenaline overcome the taser, or, or or is is a taser pretty effective against somebody with a whole lot of adrenaline?
2: No, um, adrenaline shouldn't matter because it it locks up their uh, their muscles. It's uh, with the electricity. Okay. It incapacitates the nervous system. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I, adrenaline's a crazy thing. So I don't know if somehow that mm-hmm. would still overcome that, but contact that is make, the
2: biggest um, problem. It's not making full contact.
1: Right, and I can, yeah. If you, somebody's got a a big winner coat on. Uh, that that may be hard to to get contact. But even with mace, even if uh, you get it like on close by them, like that's mm-hmm. so powerful enough. You don't need a direct hit in their face, do you?
2: Oh, um, no. If it, it just gets on their skin. But like I said, if you mace somebody, it's going to get on you too. So that's why a lot of officers don't like to use it.
1: So pretty much only use it in drastic situations is what I'm taking away from your insight into the world of. Uh, Police officer,
2: Yeah, if if you know if the force is authorized, you can use it, but you have discretion on whether you want to or not.
1: That brings up the a question that I forgot. If the force is authorized, you mm-hmm. mentioned you have to learn a bunch of uh, the rules, the yeah. laws. It's basically it sounds like law school in a sense. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Do they just flat out give you a, a a book that you have to memorize, or I mean, what is the actual protocol? For for learning all that, I mean, because especially, uh, I guess you can never go outside of your jurisdiction, probably for this very reasoning. So, but I mean, was that kind of tough, or what? Is is it pretty straightforward in terms of the laws and all that?
2: Yeah, they, they teach you about jurisdiction and when you can make arrests and stuff. Like, say there's a, a felony, you, you can take action outside your jurisdiction. There's other reasons, but. Um, uh, With regard to that, they teach you criminal law, traffic law that you're going to use, and a lot of the state test is uh, scenario-based questions and said, oh, is this murder or is it aggravated murder, stuff like that. And and for that, you just really have to know the elements, but memorizing um, 4511.35A, Mark Lane's traffic law stuff, you don't need to memorize the codes or anything like that.
1: You just got you just look them up in a book or something. You pull right. out your iPhone and oh, uh, run it's a, online. Do you have yeah. do you have a police app that you can just run codes and, it, it t- and then Siri like tells you what the what the code is?
2: Yeah, I think there's apps for it, but it, it's all online. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably there probably is apps for it in this day uh, day and age. Uh, let's see, six weeks you said mm-hmm. after you get you know you, you finish academy, six weeks in house training, and then you just you get your own car. Is no, that what we're going to be no. doing? No. Well, okay. Well, what happens after the six weeks of in-house training?
2: Uh, then there's 13 more weeks of field training. Goodness. Yeah.
1: Of what? Of what training?
2: Uh, field training. So you're with the field training officer. He's your coach, you could say, and he teaches you how to apply all the information you've learned. Um, but for us, it's um, 13 weeks. You get, you do a month on each shift. So four weeks on days, afternoons, and then midnights. And then your last week, you go back with your your original coach and um, they evaluate how much you progressed for you to graduate the program.
1: I did not realize everything that went into it. What, yep. if you're allowed to say, uh, what, um, I don't know, city, town, jurisdiction, What, where, where are you gonna be patrolling? Are you in the Columbus department or who?
2: Uh, I, I don't really wanna talk about it on here. I, I could tell you after.
1: Oh, okay. You you'd have to kill me if you told me on here publicly. Right, yeah. Would you have to apply jujitsu to me and choke <laughs> me out and uh just, just end it? Is that right. is that what you're what you're saying in a roundabout way? All right. I appreciate you respecting my life like that. I uh my, my, my family thanks you. Anything yeah. else in regards? So it sounds like that's kind of the plan. You want to become an officer, you pay seventy bucks per month for health insurance. I pay fourteen hundred dollars. So well played, sir, on your end. Um you had mentioned real estate, so I wanted to touch base on that. But I mean, anything else in regards to the whole police academy or just police officer stuff in general? I mean, I I, th- I think it's a great move on your part.
2: Well, um, well, based on what I saw from your uh, October res- trading results, it seems like y- you have no problem paying that 1400 But But um, yeah, it's great. I think benefits are cool. They give you life insurance, stuff like that, holiday time, um, vacation time. So uh, I'm really satisfied with the, the choice I've made to do
1: this. And like you said earlier, just to make sure I understand, I was wrong to have thought you needed some sort of college degree to become a police officer, oh. like a criminal justice. That is not true at all.
2: Right. From what I understand, it's criminal criminal justice, it, uh, just useless major. It's kind of made up and um, you don't need that at all to become a police officer. You don't need a college degree. Um, some places, like um, federal agencies might require that you have an uh, undergraduate degree, but for the most part, most police uh, agencies don't require that.
1: This doesn't pertain to you because like you said, you'll be graduating debt free, but you could have become a police officer. Could you have started at age 18 if you wanted to, as soon as you graduated high school? Um,
2: Some places, but in Ohio, most places won't hire you um, and swear you in uh, until you're 21.
1: Okay, I'm just trying to think. Mm -hmm. So if somebody didn't want to go to college at all, I guess they could do those first three years Uh, you know, just maybe picking up some other trade or or, or something until they can get to that point. I I think Um, some
2: places in Florida, they'll hire cops when they're super young, yeah.
1: Okay, Mm -hmm. but basically moral of the story though is you you can become a police officer with very, very little cash out of pocket, potentially zero cash out of pocket if you find a program like you did where they actually paid for your police academy. But what does police academy run? Let's say that somebody wasn't offering it. I mean, do you have any idea Oh, what that cost is? Uh,
2: I'm not sure, I, I think um, the one I'm in, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I heard the figure 4,500 bucks, so something about uh, let, that.
1: Let's call it 5,000, uh-huh. even at that, even if you had to take a $5,000 loan to go to Police Academy, remember, we've already established that everybody's hiring, so it, it would be a good job market to go into, but yeah, spend $5,000, to go into a career field where everybody's hiring and you get the benefits that David just applied or just discussed, yeah, that you know that five thousand dollars, assuming you're disciplined within your finances, mm-hmm. you can you can stomp that out very very quickly.
2: But at the um, same time, you got to realize they they have to have a good background in order to get hired. You know, they can't be doing drugs or. Um,
1: Correct. Yes. Having, the the yeah. The premise is, if you are a quality human being, right. then there are more than enough opportunities in this world. So please. Everybody listening, be a quality human being and by being a quality human being, you have yet another choice to offer you. But even if you're not a quality human being, there's still plenty of other trades out there where they will gladly look past your past mistakes if you show up on time, if you listen, and if you do the work the way you're supposed to do the work. So even if you're not a quality human being or you've had some hiccups in your past, that's all right. There's still plenty of opportunities for you out there. You just gotta be willing uh, to to show up on time and, and, and do all the above. Um, did you want to make any other points? Because that those were some good rabbit holes.
2: Uh, just talk about the real estate stuff I'm doing now. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, what? Uh, what you, you want to get into what? Flipping, renting, what, what sort of avenue are you looking at? What what kind of real estate rabbit hole are you you wanting to pursue?
2: Uh, I definitely want to get into renting. Hey, can I take a break real quick? I gotta get some water or something.
1: Yep. right, so you got your water now. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, okay, David I had to step away for a quick second uh, to, to get some water, but uh, I, I caught him off guard. I mean, we're, we're going on almost an hour and a half and totally understandable. I got my water right next to me, so I've been chugging away a couple of times when I've had the uh, the mic on mute. But you want to get into renting, you were you were saying, Do you, are you thinking, I guess, I don't know, you tell me, do you have any sort of um, general ideas about the pathway you want to take?
2: Yeah, so I've been mentored all the way through this. Um, I have a a few friends that have been doing property and then also these attorneys. I've just learned so much from my mentors. Um, The way I want to get into it uh, for myself personally is by doing this FHA program. Uh, I can buy up to four units and uh, I have to live in one for a year. But uh, after that, it's, it's all rental income, so.
1: Are you thinking buy a duplex, you live in one half and then run out the other half?
2: I'm looking to buy as big as I can um, because it is only 3.5% down. So, uh, because most, most of the time you have to pay, what, 20% to, to get into a place. Um, it, it varies, but um, for that type of commercial loan, we're not gonna be living there. But in this case, 3.5% down. I can buy four units and uh, live in one of them for a year, and then after that, I can rent that one out. I'll have uh, four units and uh, all in one.
1: When you say unit, you mean you don't mean four separate properties. You mean like a, a, a quadplex. That's right. what you mean by four unit. Okay, and th- and that would be your goal to get a quadplex mm-hmm. and then live in live in one of the four, and then rent the other three out.
2: Absolutely, yep, I'm, I'm ready to do that. I actually, uh, I'm pre-approved through my bank right now and I'm actively looking for um, for a, a property to buy.
1: You are just flat out beast mode, I didn't, I didn't know that. Awesome, well done, well Thank done. You. And this is, I, I would tell anybody younger, uh, anybody that's younger that will listen. That, I mean, that, that now I've never heard of the, the, the quadplex, but if I could go back and, Remember, apples and oranges. If you're somebody with a family, this probably isn't necessarily practical. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. But if you're a single guy, you are you still single? I have a girlfriend. I'm not married. Or okay. Anything. Well, no. you're not married. All right. Yeah. Well, for this, you're still single. Quote unquote single. Right. But as I would tell anybody in David's situation, young or really, I don't any age. But think about it. Having somebody pay your mortgage for you, that sounds good to me. And that's what you know a duplex would allow you to do: live in one half. You know, uh, have somebody else live in the other one, and just you right. know, their their rent will cover your mortgage. You know, David's just doing that a little bit more on steroids because he'll have three people paying him, which is awesome. And I mean, what's uh, are you looking around uh, campus? Are you looking in? I mean, I guess we're in, we're in the. Central Ohio area? Are you actually seeking out this potential investment property?
2: Yeah, just all over Columbus right now, just um, trying to find one that I like and that um, I definitely value my parents' opinion. So one that they they think I can make it work, and just crunching the numbers and um, calculating everything. But yeah, this um, only only paying three point five percent down. Um, that is just the real key thing with this, and then getting the biggest one you can, um, up to four units. It's it's going to be great, especially thirty years down the road, having that um, having this property.
1: What are you going to do with the extra cash flow?
2: Uh well, just re uh, putting in the bank account, and then um, let's say that something breaks, reinvesting it, or uh, just in, just reinvesting the money somehow.
1: Right, I mean. This is what I would do, and I'm not telling, mm-hmm. but I mean, with only 3.5% down, all it takes is for a little hiccup in the market, and you could, you know, you could be underwater on it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the market could keep going up. You know, your guess is as good as mine as far as the real estate market sure. is concerned. But I mean, one form of investing is you just throw it onto the loan and you just start building equity that way with it. I mean, that's probably oh. that way you can get yourself more. You know what I mean? Oh, I, no, absolutely.
2: Pa- I'm just going to pay okay. the, uh, I was going to put payments towards, um, Towards the principal, once I'm in. A okay, so that's what that you idea. meant by
1: investing. In it is you're investing into the principal, which therefore lowers the equity down. Awesome. No, I I fully or, agree with that.
2: Um, with interest rates, you know, so low right now. I would, if I think I can invest into another business or into another property, I, I could definitely see myself doing that if it makes more sense.
1: Yeah, I could see that, but do, just be always careful with leverage. You right. know how that goes in the world of stock market. Leverage, leverage, leverage. That'll break you. And the, it it doesn't change in the world of real estate either. So um, I'm not saying that's bad, and, and you did qualify the statement with if you looked at the numbers and they made good sense. Right. But, uh, you you never want to get too much leverage on your hands. But um, do you have any sort of like time frame where time frame where you know I want to live in this circumstance for the next three years, or are you just are you happy living in that sort of set of circumstances? I mean, do you have any timetables for how fast you would want to get something paid off, or you know, you want to go from three and a half percent equity to 20% or to 80% equity in a certain amount of time. I mean, have you thought about any sort of uh, timeline goals like that?
2: Um, Well, what what my friend said that um, he started this when he was 22 and I'm still 21. And right now he's 25. He has 17 different properties. um, And this is the way he started doing it. Um, He told me that I should definitely get the 30 year fixed because, uh, the payments will be lower and then the rent will for sure cover it, uh, and then some. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how long I would, I would want to get as many properties as possible um, doing using my leverage um, and credit, but in a safe way, um, just in a responsible way.
1: How do you define safe and responsible?
2: Um, just making sure that, the rent will pay for the mortgage and then some, and that make sure that I am getting um, good deals on the properties I buy because a lot of uh, with real estate, as you probably know, a lot of it's all in the buy when you calculate your rate of return. All of
1: it, all yeah. of it is in the buy. Absolutely. Now, are you going to? You mentioned you know saving some for when something breaks. Mm-hmm. You know you're that. You know, in my spreadsheets, that's just the the contingency fund. I mean, because something's always going to break. Sure. Are, are you? I'm assuming or hoping that you are also in your numbers going to have a vacancy uh-huh. variable built in. Yes, Because sir. the last thing you would want is to have all this debt and payments that you owe. Mm-hmm. But then if there's nobody to pay them, obviously that's a massive problem for you. I mean, so are you, are you going to have some sort of vacancy, uh, like I said, variable within your uh, spreadsheets?
2: Yeah, um, I, I calculate. I've calculated a few different ways, but um, I only count on getting about 11 months of rent, and then I realize that there's going to be property taxes and insurance and all sorts of other stuff. Um, the PMI comes out of it, so I I, I do realize that um, it's it's not all going to come to you.
1: Yeah, there's uh, it's I don't I don't know how it is for for the Columbus market, but just <clears throat> rentals as a whole, it can it can be hard to turn. Uh, positive cash flow. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad because if you're just putting that all in and just having somebody else build equity for you, then that's fine, you're still having an asset. But what is your goal? Are you in it because you want asset appreciation so you're willing to just kind of hold steady, break even per month, or are you looking to create passive income?
2: Um, Well, I'd like to get passive income ideally and also uh, just being able to Buy more properties and and do it all over again and build a, a rental network. Up. That's uh that's the ideal circumstance.
1: Yeah, I'm uh I'm with you there. I uh, my properties when I was buying, you know, they've I, you know they've gone up quite a bit appreciation wise um, when I was buying after the real estate bubble popped. Uh, but for me, it was always I just wanted the cash flow. I wanted checks to show right. up for, for not doing anything. So I think that's uh, makes a whole lot of sense. How is the market down in Columbus? Up here. Uh, Uh, several months ago, it was just absolutely on fire. Things have cooled off a little bit. Uh, Has it been pretty similar down by you or what's what's your local market looking like?
2: Yeah, things, um, there's a lot of building, a lot of construction, especially around campus. Um, There's some neighborhoods where things are just really expensive, but there are um, other neighborhoods where there's a lot of opportunity to buy things and that's what I'm looking to capitalize on.
1: Do you go, I mean, how serious are you? Do you have a realtor or are you just checking? Okay, and are you looking at properties weekly, monthly? I mean, what what is does what is your search kinda look like right now?
2: Uh, just multi-family units around the area and um, he also but emails I mean, me are stuff. You, are, hmm.
1: are you looking at like one a week or are you looking at just one a month? I mean, how often are you actually looking at potential properties?
2: Well, I, I just got approved and just started all this. Um, just made my LLC. So I've only seen one property so far off of this search, but. Back when I was looking for um, a rental property for my family, I, I looked at a ton. And, um, but it, it, at this time, I've only done one, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking, anytime in my free time, I'm looking stuff up. I, I'm about to do some drive-bys, I think, later today to uh, check out some houses. So, I'm, I'm pretty serious about this.
1: What you When did you get approved? Just like, literally recently?
2: Like, within the last few, few weeks, yeah.
1: Oh, okay, all right, that makes sense then why you haven't, why you're still kinda just getting, uh. Uh, getting your legs underneath you then if it was Well that's awesome, man, yeah, congrats on that. And you're 21? Yep. 21 getting approved for loans and there was no silver spoon, because we'll wrap things up here, we're at an hour and a half, but no silver spoon, David's uh, approved for a loan, but let's, I mean, how did he get here? From volunteering, to rentals, to paralegal, to pizza delivery, to, uh, I was gonna say bodyguard, but that's not true, to (laughs) bouncer, and now you're, you know, you're you're creating cash flow for yourself by, uh, first off, I think that's very smart. You might as well just close out, get the philosophy degree. I mean, Uh you're this close, so why wouldn't you at this point, Mm -hmm. Um, but did some research, avoided, I think it's safe to say a a, a possible train wreck, given what other lawyers, in. What the other lawyers in the field said. I mean, you're not really talking in theory at this point. I mean, you've gone out and talked to people in the trenches. You know, the people are in the trenches are saying, "Yeah, you don't want to get in the trenches. Go find some other trench." Um, you know, I, I I don't think none of this is really theoretical on your part. I think you've backed things up with uh, quite a bit of facts. And uh, so, if you avoided that train wreck, you are getting paid to learn a skill to which you already have a job for in a high, good, um, you know, good job prospect market. Is uh, you know in the police world and now you're looking to expand into real estate investing and you're pre-approved for a loan and you're only 21 and is that a fair summary
2: that's 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 it yeah, that's a fair summary.
1: I tell you what millennials they're scumbags, they're just all lazy they just all don't so a beautiful, beautiful shining example here of uh well done david uh, that's uh, that's great stuff. Was there anything else you wanted to bring about uh, before uh, we uh, call this good? Uh,
2: that's all I can think of for right now. I'll definitely have to come back and keep you updated when something else happens.
1: Absolutely, uh, would we'll, love to have you back. And thank you uh, very much for taking time out of your very hectic schedule. There was a little typo, and um, David all of a sudden thought it was tomorrow, but David's like, no, I, I, I have work tomorrow, which <laughs> I, and we actually had to schedule this one out quite a bit, I'm assuming because that's just your hectic work, your hectic you know time schedule, right? Oh
2: Yeah, it's absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah, so I mean, in and, and all sincerity, thank you very much for fitting me in because uh, you are a hustler, you are a beast, and um, you it, it's not like you're sitting around and have all the time in the world to be doing something like this. So I really do appreciate it, and uh, we will have you back. But yeah, David, man, you, uh, as a felt, from Buckeye to Buckeye, that's how we do it, folks. <laughs> that, if, if you want your kid, no, I was gonna say, send him to Ohio State, but that might not be a good decision if you send him to Ohio State to get a, I don't know, a, a musical dance theory degree, I hope nobody listening has a musical dance. I don't know, if they do, then maybe they can give, shed some, they, you're, you're welcome. If you have a musical dance theory degree, come on come on the show and, and let me know how things are going with that, but uh, yeah, man, well done, and just keep being David. I guess that's all I can really say is hustle, and uh, things will keep happening, like they keep happening, ironically for you. It's amazing how things happen when you just get out there and do something about it, you know what I mean? Absolutely,
2: yeah. Thank you so much for your mentorship, and I, I always come on here because I always learn something. So from talking to you, yeah.
1: Good. Well, I, I I learned something too. I learned. I mean, you 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 kind of. Um, I'm, I'm I don't, I don't want to. Say, I'll, I'll say, Crass. You've kind of peed all over my, you know, <laughs> my visions of some how some things are. But that's okay. I learned something too for sure. And this stuff motivates me more than you know. I, I like it. I like people that hustle. And I like your mindset. My I think my my favorite part of this was, you know, if I'm gonna be here, can I get paid to be here? <laughs> if I'm gonna be here anyways, and you found a way to get paid to be there. That's, exactly, yeah. That that's that's beast mode right there, folks. That is what beast mode, that is what uh um that is what hustling looks like. I love that thought process. And uh, where there is a will, there is a way. So David, man, thank you very much, and uh we will definitely have to have you back. Absolutely, thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Yep. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself